welcome to OT Cyber from the plant floor up, a podcast focused on discussing the latest innovations and developments in the OT cybersecurity space. The podcast is powered by Dynex and hosted by our CTO, Jeff Smith. Subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or the Dynex YouTube channel, or wherever you watch slash listen to podcasts and enjoy the show. Welcome to a new episode of OT Cyber from the plant floor up. We have a really special guest today. He's actually a new team member on the Dynex team, uh, Chris Gibbs, the chief revenue officer. And uh, we, of course, have our host, Jeff Smith, uh, this chief technology officer at Dynex. But uh, Jeff, do you want to kick off and introduce Chris and uh, the conversation? Yeah, Chris comes to uh, Dynex with a lot of experience. Um, his uh, his experience is pretty broad from a Cisco perspective, um, and I can let him do a little bit more of the introductory and talk about the different places he's been. But you know, he brings a he brings a skill set to us. We've kind of grown word of mouth, you know, by reputation, great reputation. Customers talk about us to other customers, and um, you know, we we've worked our way into a lot of uh, different. Uh, verticals, you know, obviously automotive is heavy because we're in Michigan, but we, we kind of worked our way into, you know, uh, water treatment, drainage emissions. We worked our way into aerospace, um, but there's a lot of areas that we just don't, we just don't get into. We don't really know how to get into, and that's kind of where Chris comes into the, the fold is he brings a lot of experience in how to, how to build the revenue and the sales side of a company into verticals that maybe you haven't had before. So having said that, Chris, I'll let you kind of continue on. Well, thank you very much, Chuck. Uh, it's, it, it is good to be here. Um, you know, it's a, w when I announced that I was coming to Dynex, it's like, well, why are you making that jump now? And, you know, just, my reasoning was was pretty clear. When you're a sales guy like I am, you know, chief revenue officer, I come up from the sales ranks, and a individual contributor, a manager, uh, a VP of sales, and the, the the key to sales is a you have to have a product that actually does something that you can stand behind because you know it's effective. At least the key to my sales has always been that you know to have a a product set that did something, and then a company that that you believed in as well and you know when i looked over at dynex when we started this discussion 25 years in the business great people in your company uh great products great partners you got a great customer base and, and your vision you know to to protect and uh have offerings for everything from the clamp floor up you know such as my name of this podcast that's just great and with the customer base you have in automotive and aerospace, I, I knew this was a perfect place to be, to take it to that next level. You know, any using what I've learned at, you know, 15 plus years in cybersecurity, 30 plus years in, in IT sales, uh, this is just, it's, it's the right time to be here. Awesome. Um, curious, Chris. Uh, and Jeff, feel free to kind of chime in here. But what what trends have you kind of seen in the OT and ICS space, particularly with your vast background and um, how you've been in the cybersecurity and technology space? But of course, um, there's the subset of, of the operation and technology 
uh, operational technology and um, ICS. Now the challenge. So let's let's call me from the IT cybersecurity space. I'm moving over to OT. Why did I do that? Because I knew the time was right. Uh, there had been a mindset previous that uh, you know air uh, operational technology networks where air gap were separated. Where there's no reason for the threat actors to go after them because there was no money, no incentive, no reason to do so. But in the past, you know, ten plus years, that of course has has changed. Uh, the technologies that have been developed to protect the operational technology, the, the industrial control systems, for the most part, been either IT tools reworked, if you will to operate in an OT environment or have been tools developed for OT, but with a detection mindset, not a protection mindset, which is what, what Dynex has. You know, one of the challenges today across both IT and OT is there's not enough resources, not enough time, not enough people, not enough resources, as I said, to uh, tackle the problem with a detection or a, you know, a noise box system, which creates a lot of alerts that have to be acted upon. Um, the Dynex solution, which is, you know, only allow what's appropriate admission traffic and deny the rest, I think is the right mindset for the OT firewall offering that we have. Why even let it on the plant floor? If it's not mission critical, don't even let the traffic in. And Tanya, having spent almost 25, 30 years on the plant floors, in the plants, as an end user in manufacturing, that began with this whole, and I've told a lot of bigger companies this in the past when I was an end user, this whole idea of, you know, monitoring something is, what, what they don't understand is that your typical controls guy or your typical operations or OT guy, he, he does a hundred different things in the course of a week. Um, one day he's touching up points with a robot. The next time he's, you know, tuning VFDs, um, you know, it, it's just, it's lots of different things. And at the end of the day, their goal is production. And since IT is a service to manufacturing, it should, it's not something that they're going to focus on. So, you know, if I get an email or a, an alert on my phone and I'm in the middle of a downtime situation, I'm not going to run along and, and check why we see Modbus TCP on a network we've never seen it before. So, you know, if a threat actor gets a lot of time on a network while I'm off doing the stuff I need to do to keep the plant running, then the detection is kind of pointless because if I get eight hours to play around, I don't need to, uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of pointless. And I think the other thing is that if, if you're going to go with the detection only, assume that you're going to have to beef up your staff. So it's not only going to be the cost of the solution, um, you're going to have to have people who can respond to that, which means you're going to have to bring IT people down and have them start handling or dealing with it. Or you're going to have to bring in people at the operational technology level that A, understand it and B, know how to respond to it and aren't going to be out starting up something on the plant floor or fixing a problem um, and have the time and to be timeliness or to, to have timely answer to the problem. So, you know, prevention is really it that it's, you know, enterprise networks, they have to let everything except that, which they know or suspect to be bad. Um, but now the, I, you know, I've said this a thousand times and on the IT side, you know, or excuse me, the OT side is you, you don't let anything in except that, which you expressly know to be good. Um, and, and that's a fundamental difference in you approach those solutions. So, um, 
I think that's, you know, it's, it's not only how much does the solution cost me. It's not only does it actually stop things or does it, you know, does it prevent issues is what's it going to cost me from a manpower perspective and a purely a management perspective. So when you get companies, you know, the size of some of these, these huge automakers, um, or the huge, um, you know, food and bev companies or pharma companies, they anticipate spending a couple of percent more than the average company on this type of stuff as a, as a, as a percentage of their, you know, revenue or profit. Um, the, in the automotives in particular, if you look at the tier suppliers, that's not a part of their budget. That's not a part of their, you know, they, they don't anticipate paying a bunch of extra money to bring staffing, to be able to support this stuff, to be around just in case something happens. So, you know, going back to what Chris said a little while ago, if I don't let it out on the network, I probably don't have to deal with it. So, um, monitoring without, you know, control or the ability to stop is, uh, is only half a solution. And unfortunately it's the half of the solution that lets the badness into your system. So, um, you're going to be answering for it one day. Yes. Kind of interesting. You know, we're, we're discussing the plant floor and, and manufacturing and all, uh, threat actors, you know, we, we think of them as a guy with a hoodie who, um, gets into your network and does whatever he wants, ransomware, exploit, you know, data exfiltration. But it's actually not the case. It's uh, it's a production line, just like in manufacturing, production line. Threat actors, there is a series of groups, people, organizations that each do a certain thing. Two of the bigger frameworks uh, for the for the process for the production line that a threat actor actor groups have to go through. One is the Lockheed Martin kill chain. The other, uh, a little bit newer, the MITRE ATT&CK framework. So in the in the kill chain, it's a seven step process. It starts with recon and then brute forcing and then gaining um, presence in a network and then doing more recon on that network in in creating. Uh, sustainability, living off the land, if you will, and then reaching out and checking everything else. Well, if you have a tools that can prevent in, in with these threat actors, they're doing this on the, you know, the IT network, they're establishing base camp and then uh, trying to see what, what they can um, access and exploit. And then they're selling that access. They're selling that capability. They're sell selling that presence. Uh, and then others are coming in with the exploits and they're dropping them in. And so it's a, it's a production line. There's money involved. There's ransomware involved. It's, it's all part of the, you know, the, the food chain. Well, if you can a protect, which not allow, what shouldn't be, um, traversing and then B control, which assets can talk to which other assets you've reduced the attack service that that threat actor groups can go after. And that's part of the Dynex solution. So it's just. It's beautiful, the protection and control and uh, visibility options that we have. Awesome. Well, Chris, that I, I love the use of beautiful right there. Um, would you mind also telling us a little bit about your new role at Donix and your vision and kind of what your superpower also is? <laughs> superpower. Um, so my vision for Dynix is that the offering is is I, every OTICS network should have Dynex in that network. I mean that's just this you know let's just go for the the, 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 the that is the goal. 
that everybody, they know us, they want to use us. We're providing protection and we're protecting those customers so that they can continue their operations. And that's the key here, right? You know, in the IT world, hey, can't get to a printer. Ah, something bad happened. All right, well, let's fix it. But here, we've got a production. We've got a company. We've got, you know, those things have to keep going to keep the revenue generating and the power and the water and, and all of that flowing, which is necessary for all of us, right? So that's my goal is that we are in front of as many as I can get, as many end users and helping them protect their their um, operations to deliver their value to their customers. Um, you know, the great thing about Dynex so far is that they've been very, um, as Jeff mentioned earlier, their, their selling has been in the community that they know and they have absolutely uh, done very well, very successful in that community. Minds to, to get out and expose Dynex to, uh, to people I haven't heard from us before. So you can bring in some tools, you know, some business intelligence and CRM tools that will help us identify and target and prospect. We're getting the word out, you know, what you're doing here. We're going to leverage that, uh, which you've been doing for the last year. Just continue that, more marketing, get the presence and uh, get the result. Awesome. Um, and this is a question for both. Jeff and Chris, and we talk about this on multiple episodes in our podcast, uh, but where do you see the OTICS space heading in the next 10 to 15 years? Where do I see it heading? Well, it's not going away. You know, it's, it's one thing in the IT world when everything moves to the cloud. Well, I've seen a manufacturing plant critical infrastructure to the cloud. Uh, no, it's, it, it's moving to a place that more and more people are going to be more and more dependent upon whatever the output of that is, that plant is. And it has also become because the threat actors know that stopping that production, colonial pipeline, you know, et cetera, that there's money to be made, it will be more and more of a target. So my mission is to reduce the attack surface, reduce the potential for a threat actor to be successful um, uh, on our customers' networks. Yeah, I, I think this, um, the people that talk, you know, trending towards the, the cloud and controls and, and virtualizing PLCs, and, you know, it, it's all well and good, but if it ever happens, which I, I have my doubts, there are certain parts of it that could certainly move that way. Um, however, you know, it's going to sure, hugely change the skill set requirements out on the plant floor. Because um, you know, your, your, your average controls guys these days are, are kind of younger than they were. So that it's kind of been a, you know, some of the older guys are retired and some of the newer guys are in it. You know, they get the idea of IP addresses and all this stuff because they play around with their home router and their Wi-Fi at home. So they certainly have more of a skill set or more of a open mind towards that stuff. But when you start trying to push systems into the cloud, um, you fundamentally get away from what they know and what they're good at. And it's it's going to be a whole different skill set of person. And the question is, are you going to have the guy who can go out and touch up points on a robot and go out and program a pool seat? Um, at the same time, be the same guy who understands how this cloud stuff works and how it's running from the cloud and how this works and how that works. 
Um, so the cost of doing business in just manpower, knowledge, and training alone is going to be through the roof. I don't think anybody really gives that much consideration. Um, and then it's purely a, a safety, the safety aspect of it. You know, in the manufacturing site, number of manufacturing, I used to tell my engineers, I said, you know, I said, number one, um, whatever it is you're doing has to work. Number two, it has to be safe. And number three, it has to be efficient. And so you can't ever confuse efficiency with safety. Um, and obviously it has to work. If your solution doesn't work, then it's pointless to begin with. But the second most important piece is um, is the safety side of it. Uh, and then it's efficiency, right? And, and, and too often, as people talk about these cloud solutions and this and that, it's how do we save a buck in this cost and that cost and, and not really get a lot of consideration, I don't think. At least I don't hear about it in the conversations I listen to relative to what that kind of move does for safety. And you have a hardware safety circuit, but your PLC is in the cloud um, and you happen to lose communications. And, and I get that, you know, we're 99.99999% connected. Great. But at 1.9% where you lose communications or something for 30 seconds, um, unless that system is really done right and it really has all the right safeguards in place, you know, 10 seconds on a plant floor is enough to seriously damage people and equipment. So um, I, I just think that 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 trend that we're being pushed towards from people who don't really get to plant floor um, is, is I think it, I think it's going to come full circle at some point and they're going to realize that it's, it's just not as feasible as they would hope it would be. Right. And, and I think the driving factors, and we were having this conversation yesterday, um, Rob, Rob Grove with our VP of sales and Ed and I were talking a little bit about it yesterday is, you know, that everybody's pushing for a software, a SaaS model, which is all well and good, but it can't push you into doing things that don't make sense from a manufacturing perspective on a plant floor. And, and that's exactly what I see happening. Um, and it's just going to make the whole cyber scene much more complicated. Um, you know, I tell people that you can't really make a centrifuge run away if you've got a $400 hardware safety circuit on there that says if you hit this speed stop, if you hit this temperature shut down, because you can't write, you can't write malware or bugs or code that, that makes that fail. It's a hardware safety circuit. It's the, and I, I used to talk about this as it's the, it's kind of the cockpit door that the controls guys have that the enterprise or the IT guys don't have, right? We do have hardware safety circuits and too many people ignore that today with this, this push towards, you know, and I'm kind of on my soapbox here a little bit, but this push towards, let's move everything to the cloud. Let's move everything to software. Um, it's, it's, it's exponentially more difficult, um, to bypass or, or defeat something like hardware speed sensors, um, temperature sensors, things of that nature than it is to interject you know, your, your code or your data in between an HMI and a PLC. Um, it just makes it a lot, a lot easier. I used to do a, I used to do a talk about, you know, cybersecurity and controls. And I, I would ask a question in a room full of, you know, 200, 200 guys that were client guys. And my question was, how many of you have reviewed your electrical drawings for the line with cybersecurity in mind? How many have you actually gone through how you physically build a panel up, what your standard panels look like, how you place machines on the floor, how your flow of product is, um, software aside, physically 
and mechanically and electrically, have you reviewed those systems with an eye toward cybersecurity? And, and inevitably, the answer is no. And to this day, I'm sure it's still no. People just don't think about it. And you know, we have a lot of we have a lot of wherewithal there that that enterprise and cloud um, cybersecurity doesn't have. And unfortunately, there just isn't a lot of people that understand that because well, most of those people haven't lived on the plant floor like like I have and like Dynix has. Right? We got our start. We got our start you know, 27, 25 odd years ago. And we've been in the plant floor ever since, you know, and, and, and my vision or our vision is, you know, to build a, to build a, a comprehensive ecosystem of products that, that solve problems for people, real problems, right? Problems that we lived and had. And um, that's why we continue to grow, uh, even though we haven't been until the last year or so very savvy in terms of marketing or, um, you know, trying to push into other verticals with bringing on talent like Chris um, or talent like our uh, most outstanding marketing person, Jen. Um, so we're trying to go that way, but at the end of the day, we're going to keep on doing what we do, which is solve problems on the plant floor and, and, and do it in such a way that engenders loyalty and customers that keep coming back to us and keep talking to us about, or keep talking to other people about what we do and how we do it. That's my two cents. Well said. Well, wait, wait to close it out, Jeff. I love it. I love it. Chris, any, uh, anything else to leave the audience with before we wrap up this episode? No, no. Um, I, well, yes, it's, I, I do have, so say it's what Jeff just said that what brought me to Donuts, it's, it's their experience, his experience, what he built and why it is valuable and useful with the customer base that they have, that we have. And how they are using the entire product suite. Um, you know, there's something here that will help you protect your plant floor, whoever you are, Mister, whatever industry and, and vertical you're in, in operations and manufacturing. And uh, it was designed from a guy who thinks like you do. That's the key. It was designed from the plant floor. I love that ending. Well, I'm going to leave it on that note, but thank you so much for joining us again. And I'm sure you'll see more of Chris. You'll always see more of Jeff. And we will catch you on the next episode of OT Cyber from the plant floor up. Thank you.